Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, welcome to the Bunker Daily. I'm Dorian Linsky. The movie industry, like so much else, has been turned upside down by COVID-19. Cinemas closed, production halted, release dates postponed. How is Hollywood coping so far, and when will it be able to return to a halfway normal schedule? My guest today is Nick Desemlian, acting editor of Empire, the world's leading film magazine. The latest issue, A Special Celebration of Cinema, is out now. Hi, Nick. Thanks for joining me. Hi. Thanks for having me on. So I was thinking about having written for Empire. Um, uh, there are a lot of things that a magazine like this relies on, which is obviously having new releases to review, um, also like set visits, promotional junkets, etc., etc. There either aren't happening, or in the case of new releases, they're, they're kind of uh, pretty limited. How's the, how's the magazine sort of adapting? How do you how do you cover film when when those sort of things are taken away? It's been very strange, and it's taken a while to adjust. Um, so I'm I'm acting editor while uh, great Terry White is away on maternity leave, and I was about a month and a half in uh, when the entire world collapsed. I thought it was my fault for a while. I thought I'd press something, um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was just very strange. We were in the middle of an issue, and as you say, you know, we're pretty much we're, we're we're focused on new releases, set visits, screenings, all of that stuff. And it all just started collapsing a couple of weeks in. And we had obviously a flat plan all for all the different sections and things just started dropping out. Films started going back. The first, the first big one was Bond. You know, the premiere was a couple of weeks away. And uh, it just suddenly went back to November. And, um, and then Fast and Furious 9 or 8, whatever it is, I always lose track. Um, that went back a whole year. And so we started feeling like looking at each other and going, well, what is happening here? And then it just happened very quickly. Everything else fell apart and um, we had to adapt with that issue. That was the issue where we had Wonder Woman on the cover. That's gone back as well. But at the time we, we were going to print. Um, and so we've had to adapt. It's just been very strange. But now we're kind of having to generate most of our own content which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's actually quite enjoyable to do that, and it's a creative challenge. But um, no screenings, no set visits, all that stuff has just gone. So we're, we're putting this movie magazine together from home. Well, when Bond went back uh, sort of early March, uh, and I remember thinking at the time, okay, well, that's because it's such a huge film that it kind of needs the Asian market. And back then we really were just talking about cinemas in China and elsewhere in Asia being closed as, mm. as opposed to over here. Um, did you kind of realize that, do you think, oh, no, this, did you think, oh, well, okay, this is a special case because it's such a huge global property or did you think, oh no, this is, this is like the first domino to fall 
I don't think we, it took us all a while to get our heads around it. I think with the entire world stopping altogether, everything in every country, it doesn't, it, it just seems so surreal that it took us a little while. To, I remember having a conversation with one of my colleagues when the Bond thing happened and saying, is this going to, is the whole summer movie season going to go? My colleague laughed and, and said, there's no chance, you know, it'll be, it'll be a couple of months and we'll be back to normal. You just could feel it happening. But, um, no, like you're saying, it was all happening on the other side of the world and slowly getting closer to us. But I still, for me anyway, when it actually hit us, it was it was still shocking. Um, I saw a hair, a hair-raising headline uh, yesterday. Apparently the fate of the summer movie season rests on Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Why is this such an important movie? It's meant to come out in July, but you know, it's not 100% that that will be able to happen. Why is this movie so important? when so many other huge franchise movies have, have gone back? Tenet's the big one. It's it's the one that hasn't moved, it hasn't blinked. And, um, you know, as everyone knows, Christopher Nolan is the champion of cinema. He's the guy who is all about the IMAX cameras and you have to see the film on the big screen. I can't imagine him ever letting one of his films go straight to streaming, which is what has happened with a few smaller movies. It hasn't happened with a blockbuster yet. But no, it's, Tenet has become this symbolic thing that everyone has got their eye on of what's going to happen when this comes out. I think it's July 17th. And um, I guess it will go one of two ways. It'll either come out and, and people will flood out of their homes and just be really happy to have, you know, this experience on the big screen together, or people will be too scared or for whatever reason, it just won't work. And I think I'll have a big impact on, on everything else. But I think everyone is watching this film. It's, it's a massive blockbuster and, what's going to happen with it. But he's so far, Christopher Nolan has, has insisted that it just stick on this day. Well, so is, is the industry think that cinemas will be open in July then? That's what they're saying. I just got an email this morning from showcase cinemas who are seem very bullish about July and that they're going to be ready. They're going to have all these safety measures in store. You know, I've been reading various articles about what that could entail. Could it be like empty aisles? Every other aisle is empty, and then you've got people a seat between everyone. I don't know. Personally, I don't know. I don't know if I'll be comfortable sitting in a cinema unless I'm really sure that it's going to be like a safe experience. But um, they're certainly making noises. Everyone seems to be making noises about July being being the big return. And I mean, obviously, from from stuff that I've been, you know, uh, sort of reporting about them, the music industry. I know that you know. Just to let's to, just to sort of put something into suspended animation is not actually how it kind of works for them financially, and that lots of music venues are in danger. Um, are all the kind of cinemas from kind of you know little kind of art house ones up to the big chains in some you know in some kind of like existential danger if the if they don't reopen um, you know over the summer? I think it's scary times. Definitely, it's. Um they're just sitting there dark and, and they're not making any money and they're losing money as time goes on. So I think there is a real fear there and a real desire to get things back open. I mean, it's, it's just interesting watching the whole thing with universal, which is uh, the one studio that have started releasing things on streaming, like quite big things. Mm. And um, it's caused this huge fracas in the States and over here uh, where AMC theaters basically said, right, well, if you're going to, release stuff straight to streaming we're not going to show any of your films at our theaters again well i mean of course one of the, the historically strange things about about this is that one of the most you know 
important movies of of our era now is Trolls World Tour. <laughs> Because because that was the that was the one that sort of caused all the the trouble, wasn't it? Putting out a big movie straight to on demand, um, and that seemed to do very well uh, from what Universal was saying. It seemed to bring a lot of money. Was there? And then I thought, oh well, there'd be more movies like that. But that's I don't I'm not aware of anything else on that sort of scale. Does it does it only work if it's like, like basically it's a movie for kids? It's a sequel, so people know what to expect. Is it only a certain kind of movie that would actually work and get people to fork out $20 for on demand. Sorry, that's the American price. Yeah. It's, it's also happened with the new Judd Apatow film, uh, The King of Staten Island, the one he's done with Pete Davidson. And that was uh, all set for an August release. Suddenly it's coming out in a few weeks. I think it's coming out mid-June or something like that. And the new Seth Rogen film as well. And uh, so maybe, you know, comedy is, is, is not, but you know, actually I love going to see a, a good comedy on the big screen. There aren't many of them anymore, but it's mm. nice to see them with a bunch of people, but maybe comedy is more suited to just dropping. It hasn't happened yet with any of the Marvel films or any of the big blockbusters. You know, some people were saying, will Mulan go straight to Disney plus that hasn't happened yet. That's still set. That's the next big one after Tenet apparently uh, on the big screen. Yeah, it's, it really only seems to be Universal that's that's doing it. So um, no one else has kind of followed in that in their footsteps yet. Because I mean, a cinema is worried that I mean, you could you know, Universal could justify this as a, as a temporary measure. Um, are cinemas worried that this is something that if the kind of numbers work for Universal or you know, other studios, that they'll just do this even after cinemas have reopened and just go, look, we can get a better. Uh, mm cut here if we go to on demand is that is that why it's so controversial that they think actually this might outlast the pandemic totally because i mean this is a this is a thing that's been going on long before the pandemic the theatrical window as it's called the the amount of time that between when something opens uh, in a movie theater and, and when it comes to like home entertainment and the, that's been a big thing the theaters have like really held on to that there has to be this much time that passes you know, we have to have this be a special experience just that only we can offer. And the universal thing just destroys that. And it's quite a historical thing. And that's the question, like, can they go back to how it was before? Once people are used to getting these big movies straight to their home, you know, can you go back? Can you put the genie back in the bottle? And um, that's why the theatres are freaking out so much. Because I thought the pricing was pretty steep for an on-demand thing, but I guess you're not talking in America, particularly, I think they then, when they talk about going to the cinema, they talk about, okay, car park pricing and, you know, refreshments. And like the whole thing is like way more than the ticket price. And that's where the cinemas make their money really. Right. Isn't it? A lot of it, the, the extras. And with popcorn and Coke and all that stuff, which again, like if people are going back to the cinema to do tenor in July, are they going to want to buy popcorn? Are you going to want to get pick and mix? Is the, are the days of pick and mix over? <laughs> like, Absolutely not. Pick and yeah, mix. I would be extremely upset if the days of pick and mix are over, but um, maybe, I mean, that, that things could just change forever. I, I don't know. But yeah, I think, I think in America it's like $20 to rent Trolls World Tour, which from what I've heard is not, it's not good value for money. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, there is so much free stuff with Netflix and Disney Plus. I don't know whether people are going to be in a rush to spend 20 bucks to see a film, even if it's new and exciting. Um, whereas I guess going to the cinema is expensive, but it's an experience. It's a proper night out. It's a break from your house. Um, I mean, I don't think the cinema experience is going to die. Um, I think it's definitely under threat, but I think it's such a unique experience that you can't replicate that watching something at home. 
No, exactly. And I would think that at some point when people feel fully safe that they're going to want to watch something anywhere other than the place they've mm. been spending the last few months. I want to see Tenet. I mean, I really do. And I think that's going to be an amazing cinema experience seeing that film i think it's probably going to be quite stressful based on those other films uh i mean i'm not sure i'd want to see dunkirk again in the cinema during a pandemic like it's already quite a uh, quite a full-on film but uh, yeah I, I think his his movies uh, that's that's kind of why it's interesting that it's tenet as well because he he makes such great experiences that you can have anywhere else I mean, some movies, I think, I suppose, smaller movies where they're obviously, they're not necessarily, they're not top priority and they're not the kind of thing that you can put out um, and expect people to pay the the $20 Mm. for. Um, Are there movies that, and every movie, even like a really bad movie, has taken an enormous amount of time and effort Mm. and money and care. Um, Are there some movies that, that are kind of really worthy of attention that are just going to miss their chance? because of this that they're just kind of going to get lost we were about to have can can would be happening right now who knows that all the film festivals this year pretty much are, are not happening there's a kind of online thing happening for can but we'd be if can was happening right now we'd all be hearing about these great little films and i don't know how they get that amount of attention again without, without having that kind of festival showcase all the festivals are off, right? All of them so far. That, I mean, they haven't officially cancelled. You know, there are ones that happen later in the year, like Toronto, but yeah, Cannes, Cannes is off. You know, London Film Festival happens in September. You, you just don't know, do you? I mean, the strange thing about this whole pandemic as it, as it kind of has affected movies is that everyone is acting differently, like different studios are behaving differently. Everyone's got their own strategy. So, you know, Fast and Furious 9 went back a year immediately, like just boom, it's gone. It's next year. Hmm. Whereas there are still films, Bill and Ted Free, Tenet, all these summer releases are still like pinned there. So it's hard to tell, like who knows what it's going to look like in, in August. I don't know. Well, I mean, we're talking about how people are going to watch movies, but in terms of actually how people are going to make them, um, I don't know what a, a socially distanced uh, movie shoot <laughs> looks like because you know traditionally in movies characters often have to uh stand next to each other touch even kiss um you know and so it just it's just very hard to sort of imagine is there any again you know we we don't really do predictions here but um is there any sense of when production uh will be able to return well if you listen to james cameron very soon i i got to interview him for our new issue and um he was a bit frustrated because he said he's he's doing like 19 avatar films or whatever it is and he's had to um he's had to basically stop on all of them but he said uh he said they're they're planning to go down to new zealand in a month or two and carry on and he thinks that you know obviously new zealand and australia are in a very different place to us and he thinks that they can just head down there pretty soon and just get on with their shoot. So I, I saw yesterday, Sam Neill was saying something about maybe Jurassic world three could go down to Australia and carry on there. So maybe that's the answer. Right. So you're just going to get people going to like, you know, that's that South Korea and Germany and yeah, just head to New Zealand countries that are doing well. Some yeah. more Lord of the Rings films. I guess they're doing a TV show, which they have to show there, a Lord of the Rings TV show. So that'll start up again. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, maybe people will head down to New Zealand. I'm sure they'll find a way because these are huge uh, productions. Um, I was about to go on set of Jurassic World 3 and then that just closed like very abruptly. I think Jeff Goldblum actually had learned his lines. <laughs> and he's just basically walking around his house, like memorizing his lines at the moment, going over them, um, <laughs> just like acting out his own, yeah, his own little version at home. Apparently, 
So they've got to get going on that again. I'm sure there's a lot of pressure on on things. There's so much money involved. Stranger Things had to shut down mid-season and those kids are getting older and aging. And so if they don't want to use that creepy de-aging technology they use uh, sometimes, then um, they have to get going on that again. Um, I well, can start the- to shoot again soon. Well, that was the problem. I read uh, that, uh, possibly I read it in Empire, that, you know, that, that New Mutants had been put back so many times that it was impossible to do any reshoots because everybody was now, the teenage cast were now too old. And now it's been put back again. Right. By which time, I don't know, they may possibly be middle-aged <laughs> mutants by the time it finally appears. Yeah, there's that joke about them being the old mutants. Um it's uh, yeah, well, the new mutants is its own saga. That's probably its own podcast episode that has been so many times. And um, uh, yeah, I feel slightly sorry for it. It does feel like a cursed thing. I think it's it, there was rumours of it uh, going straight to um, on demand, like at home. You know, you could buy it, download it. But now they're saying the latest is it's coming out in August, and you, you have to go and see it on the big screen. I don't know. Maybe it'll never come out. I will if if I get the chance. I will go and see it just to just because I feel. I feel bad for it. Right. I want to give him my money. I won't eat sweets or popcorn, but I, I will try and give him my money. So is there a possibility because of, you know, that for example, some, I mean, you'll, you'll presumably have, you know, in the can sort of set visit uh, material that of course you're not even printing yet, you know, because everything runs so far advanced. So is there a possibility then that, I don't know, this time next year, I'm not quite sure exactly how far ahead it would be, that we'll kind of not entirely run out of movies, but that it's going to be very stretched very thin because the movies that would have been made between March and, you know, June of this year haven't been. Or do you think they'll find a way to kind of just sort of stagger it out to sort of cover up that that sort of hole in the production. It's interesting because just before this whole thing started, we were talking in the office about doing a new story about how next summer, summer 2021 is the biggest blockbuster year of all time. Like that, that summer season was crazy. It was Indiana Jones five or four. If you don't acknowledge the existence of four, um, it was Spider-Man. It was um, suicide Squad, Jurassic, Jurassic world three. There was just, there was just like one giant blockbuster after another throughout that whole summer. And so as it turns out, half of them are going to come out that summer. Cause I think about half of them are in the can and I imagine the other half are going to come out the year after and get pushed back to 2022. I, I think that, I think there was so much stuff, you know, Batman has had to shut down. There are just so many movies that got kind of halfway and then had to, had to, I was just reading the Robert Pattinson GQ article where he said that they're, they're trying to get him to work out while he's in lockdown. He's refusing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I don't think we'll run out of films. I think they're just going to stagger them, but it will mean that next summer is going to be a lot lighter than it would have been otherwise. And are we going to have, because of all the postponements, if, for example, cinemas are back to normal, say that something means that they can't really kick back in in summer and it's in autumn and, and November, and obviously having a Bond film in November uh, is one big thing. Do you th- Are we just going to have, like, the biggest blockbuster autumn of all time? I hope so. I hope so. I, 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 it certainly seems that way. The Wonder Woman... Um, Black Widow, Black Widow, Black Widow, Bond. It should be a fun Christmas at least, but just a a slightly sad summer for film lovers because you know, except for Trolls World Tour, <laughs> um, hopefully Tenet, and um, you know, I'm really excited about Bill and Ted Free. Like, I cannot wait for that, and that feels like a good feel good movie 
to to release during all this. So I'm hoping that still comes out. But the Christmas should be should be good. Should be a good one. Well, I mean, somebody of course who is doing well out of this um, is Netflix because they've got like a captive audience. Um, they don't have to change their release dates or worry about you know uh, the fact that cinemas are closed. Um, do you think this will kind of make them in the long term even more? powerful just because they they, they're just they're able to make money as they did before and in fact even more so Mm, it is a bit of a game changer for netflix in a few ways there's the the oscar element um the oscars have actually changed their rules a couple of weeks ago they announced that they were gonna um accept films that go straight to streaming as in all categories which is a new thing previously something like the irishman that netflix made was only eligible because it came out and in and had a theatrical run but now you know, pretty much anything Netflix release can be considered. So Extraction, for instance, which the film in which uh, Chris Hemsworth plays a man called Tyler Rake who kills someone with a rake. That could, that could, yeah. that's, that's the one that I'm tipping for, for best picture. <laughs> the board. Um, so, but I mean, the, the, the new Spike Lee film is out next month, The Five Bloods, which is looking really good. And that could suddenly be an Oscar contender. All kinds of things. But, but people are just talking about Netflix stuff. Like, I don't think Extraction would have had quite so much buzz if it wasn't literally any new film that came out um, that week. I, yeah, I watched about half of it. It's, it's okay. I mean, he does kill someone with a rake. So there's that. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I didn't get, you don't get that in portrait of a lady on fire. Um, so do you think that the awards season will be, will be viable that enough movies will have come out that you can have a legitimate um, contest? I think so because I can't see I, I can't see uh, them just not releasing films for the rest of the year. I, I think they'll find a way. They have to. They're losing so many billions. Um, there's got to, they, they'll, They've got to find some kind of way to, to get to keep releasing stuff, keep pumping stuff out. So I think there will be a lot of uh, a lot of content. Who knows what will be happening at the end of the year? But there's there's definitely a lot of you know. I'm excited about David Fincher's new film with Gary Oldman, Mank, which which I'm sure will still be coming out towards the end of this year. So I know mean, everyone was making the joke about blood, the Vin Diesel film Bloodshot winning all the Oscars because it was like the last film. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I think the Oscars, I mean, whether, who knows whether they'll have to do a lockdown Oscars. Hopefully not. It's quite a long way away still. That could be interesting. But I, I think the Oscars probably a little bit diminished than usual, but I, I think it will be business as usual. That's my prediction for what it's worth. Um, and Netflix also seems to have the power. I mean, this isn't new, but it, it's maybe been more focused now because everybody's at home just to make sort of hits or talking points out of old movies, you know, that, that weren't big at the box office. And there's a big sort of spike in interest in Molly's Game, which is like like an interesting movie, right. but it wasn't like big. Uh, big, big Night, which is one of my favourites, seems to have had a nice kind of little revival. Contagion, obviously, which I managed after six weeks, I finally had the courage to watch. <laughs> And it actually made me feel a bit better because actually things aren't as bad as Contagion. Mm. Um, does um, do, do, do the filmmakers do filmmakers sort of benefit from from that stuff? Is there any? I mean, I don't know how how Netflix's sort of uh, you know payment model works. You know, if you've directed some movie in nineteen ninety eight and it appears on Netflix and it just gets all this buzz, do you do you kind of do well out of it, or is it just like a flat? That's a really good question. I wish I knew the answer to that. I don't know how how that affects. I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I don't know how that works. Yeah, I, I imagine that the studio 
gets paid a certain amount to lease their movie out to Netflix, and then it's on Netflix for a certain amount of time, and then it comes off. I, I don't know if the filmmakers themselves make that much money out of it, but I don't know. One of the lovely, one of the silver linings of the lockdown has just been people getting together and watching films together, even though they're apart. And we've been doing an Empire Film Night every Friday night, where tonight it's Clueless, and everyone just gets together and talks about film, an old film, and. Um, that's that's really nice, and that's something with streaming that that people can actually do together. And has that been something that I mean, you know, the actors and filmmakers have they found ways to be um, sort of interesting uh, and in, and interested online in the way that same musicians, you know, they love doing kind of live streamed gigs mm. uh, just to, to fill the gap. And if you're kind of a an out of work actor, as pretty much all actors are at the moment. Um, Unless you can do voiceovers and cartoons, I guess, just long distance. But has anyone been a real kind of, uh, are there any of the kind of empire regulars that have been real sort of stars of of the lockdown that have just found a way to kind of, you know, uh, you know, talk to fans or produce interesting content or just generally be like uh, an uplifting presence in the culture? Yeah, I think there's, you know, they're creative people and they want to keep making stuff and doing stuff and, and, you know that some people have even found a way to shoot things at home. Uh, there's a director called David Sandberg who did Shazam, and he, he his roots are as a kind of horror short maker. And um, he and his wife filmed a little horror short in their house, which we've got a little piece on in the new issue. Uh, Edgar Wright has been really great at just watching tons of stuff and, and interacting with people and getting people to watch stuff. I don't know. Some people have gone very quiet. Other people have, uh, you know, done lots of watch-alongs of their films. Everyone's kind of reacted in a different way, but yeah, you've, we've seen a lot of creativity, and and it's been nice for the magazine as well because you know I guess people are stuck and they haven't got they've got lots of free time, so we we've managed to do some quite fun things with people who are suddenly available who would probably yeah. be too busy to do do things uh, otherwise. And thankfully, thankfully, it's not too many actors have uh, shown themselves to be five G conspiracy theorists. <laughs> Just John Cusack. John Cusack Woody, and Woody Harrelson breaking my heart. Yeah, I'd blocked out the Woody Harrelson thing. That's upsetting, isn't it? There might be one more, and we all know the rule is that three is enough <laughs> for a feature. <laughs> It'll be like Clint Eastwood or someone, won't it? Um, yeah, yeah. And then you can do a special Hollywood does uh, 5G conspiracy theories. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. That's brilliant. The summer issue of Empire is out now. If you can't get to a shop, it's available at greatmagazines.co.uk, as is quite a tasty subscription offer. There's a new Bunker Daily every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday and Friday, with the weekly edition on Wednesday. Take care and stay safe. The Bunker Daily was presented by Dorian Linsky and produced by Andrew Harrison. Jacob Archbold was the assistant producer and audio production was by me, Alex Reese. The Bunker Daily is a Podmasters production.